Welcome to Gen Z's Guide to Politics. Um, today we're not really talking about politics, but hey, that's okay. Um, my name is Pauline, and I'm here with Rachel. That's right. I'm Rachel. I'm your other co-host. And yeah, we're here today. This is going to be probably a little bit more of the Gen Z part than Guide to Politics part, but that's okay. We're This is Gen Z's Guide to the best Halloween movies of this season that we think that you should watch these are our spooky, scary, skeleton-y recommendations for you. We also wanted to make a quick mention, because we're recording this on Monday, October 10th, today is actually Indigenous Peoples Day in the United States, and I wanted to take a second to acknowledge that. I also wanted to provide a couple cool books and writers that I like that are Indigenous that I think that you guys would really like to read. First one is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. I always recommend this book to like everybody I meet because I just love it so much. It's a lot about botany and plants and nature theory and stuff like that. And it's also about her experience growing up as an indigenous person in the US. So highly recommend, it's really good. Also highly recommend that I actually have just started reading. Her name is Beth pa- uh, Paetote. I think is how you say her last name. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it all, but she is a playwright and also a writer, like a creative writer. I'm reading one of her books right now called The Bead Workers, and it's a collection of stories all centered around kind of a whole theme. And she had written this book as a way and as part of a project to preserve her indigenous language. Yeah, highly recommend that one too. It's been so good so far so last one i have to recommend is the poet laureate of the united states who i've been lucky enough to go see her like read and do a reading in person it's one of my favorite nights ever um joy harjo is like i said the poet laureate of the united states and everything or she was i think the previous year if not this year she is a poet she's a saxophone player let me tell you queen lays down a sick saxophone beat oh my god so good she sings as well in some of her work just a very very talented beautiful artist and i really love her work i again highly recommend her all of those works are really cool and really awesome and yeah if you need something to read pick one of those up next time so stop reading white guys they're boring yeah they really are. I think Anytime so. I read, like, a, I really like mystery books. I'm a big whodunit. <laughs> but anytime I read a mystery book about, like, that's written by white men, it's so predictable. They're like, it was the prostitute who wouldn't sleep with him all along. It's the wife he, he wouldn't have sex with. Because she wouldn't make dinner the way he liked. Ah! Anyway. Dude. Calm down. What's your problem? Anywho, we talked about Try Guys like a few episodes ago. I don't. I think it might have been episode thirty-three. Okay, but they did an SNL sketch, like the Try Guys, essentially, you know, explaining what happened. So it was Eugene, Keith, and the tiny one. I can't remember their name. What is it? it isn't it Zach or something? I remember. One of them, my brother's name's Zach, and I was like, oh, there's a Zach there, but... Yeah, I should totally remember his name. I have family named Zach. 
Yeah, but so they made a sketch about Eugene, Zach, and Keith. Essentially, when they they made a public statement, they were all three of them sitting on a couch. And like, it's one thing to like make memes and be like, hee hee, like Eugene's serving looks, like he's angry, like he's slaying. Did you see the uh-huh. revenge dress comparison oh for God. Diana and Eugene? I was like, I'm sorry, that made me lose it. I like threw up laughing like, when I saw that. You're either on like Try Guys and like House of Dragon Twitter, or you're not on Twitter. That's how I feel. <laughs> but they they made a sketch essentially like making fun of them making a public statement and addressing that one of their employees was coercing several women several women like he was fired for this wasn't his first incident this wasn't the first time it had happened they had to lose thousands of dollars to cut him out of already made projects they have a entire brand together they're losing a friend of over like 10 years they essentially said you know what, like you, we are now, we're just now finding out that you've done this to women. Like we can no longer have you in our lives. It's a fair statement to look at a friend and say, I just found out that you have coerced several women into having an affair with you and you're creepy and you're shady. And I don't want to be associated with somebody who's creepy, shady and dodgy. And And not to mention, this was like, they run a company together, a large media company that has a very social media heavy presence. And this guy is like, making his whole personality about his wife, one of them, Ned Fulmer, we, we come to find out he's violating workplace boundaries and r- workplace. Having an affair with your somebody who is under you, your employee, and I just... So they made a statement yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, and they made a statement, and they essentially were like, we had to consult lawyers, we had to consult HR companies. Like, this was a big deal, because it is a big deal. And SNL goes, he, 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 let's make fun of... A company that's actually trying to protect their employees and actually do healthy things. I think it's very interesting that SNL did that, considering they have had allegations on their show. They have. They're they're a show that's been around for a very long time, and they have had allegations, and they haven't done much to really address them. And I think that's because we see the Try Guys, and we're entering this almost like new age of media because we're always entering a new age of media, and they're setting they're setting this like essential not I don't want to say boundary. What is it like? They're, they're setting, setting they're setting the standard they're being the like standard. hey we are here and this is not okay and like this yeah, has been and- okay before and it's not now like- it's essentially like snl is laughing at them for setting a standard because what the try guys did should be the standard across the board i'm not gonna i can't say where specifically but i can say that my family in the past like, year and a half worked at a company and there were several and i'm talking like eight i think it was eight or seven allegations from one employee of sexual harassment. He didn't get fired. Somebody else that we knew that worked there got fired for him because they showed up late three times. But yeah, I think that like I watched the response video the day that it came out. When I watched it, I felt like it was very much like it wasn't even the bare minimum. Like they did their job and they definitely did a good job handling the whole process they've put out like a bunch of statements about it they're being transparent for people which i think is really good to see like it happened public people saw this happen publicly fans of their company were sending photos of it happening to his wife there's no way that you can't address it and yeah and not just his wife too she was all ariel not ariel Alex, alex that was her name Alex, the girl that he cheated with, also had an entire fiance. And I'm not saying that Alex 
or her fiance were perfect people because I don't know. I don't know that. What I am saying is that Ned is a fucking creep and there's a specific reason that they chose not to say that they didn't fire Alex. There's a reason that they didn't say that because if they did fire her, they would have said it. And the bottom line, honestly, if your job is at risk, yeah, of course, and you have nowhere to go, what what would you do? So I think that the Try Guys, seeing this happen, honestly, I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing a company take ownership of the issues that happened like they did. So at least as far as things show us right now, I think they handled it very well. So without further ado, I think that is our intro and housekeeping stuff for the week. Let's jump into these these Halloween movies. Spooky month, you know? It's spooky month. It's Halloween time. And I don't know about y'all, but Halloween is like my favorite time of year. It's probably my favorite holiday. Honestly, I love it. It is my yeah i feel like there's so many and pauline you can tell me if you feel the same way the 2000s i feel like has some of the best halloween movies are yes the 2000s halloween movies i don't think it's just me that likes them a lot i feel like it's like i feel like they're just bomb they're killer so i have one of those to start us off today and i'm so excited about it one of my favorite fucking halloween movies ever if we're talking about the 2000s, there is no way that we couldn't include a movie with icons Tia and Tamara Mowry, okay? Especially if we're talking about Halloween time. Because, I don't know if you guys know, but the movie Twitches, Chef's Kiss. Oh my god, it's so good. I think, in my opinion, it's one of the most iconic Disney originals, like Disney original movies. And I honestly think it doesn't get enough love. The plot is pretty thick. There's a lot of dramatic twists and there's a lot of like info from what I remember. You know, I kind of hope we get a Broadway version soon. So that's the tea. But (laughs) so Twitches via Wikipedia is this description. In the magical dimension of Coventry, the royal witch Miranda gives birth to identical twin daughters on Halloween night. The sisters are named Apollo and Artemis after the Olympian twins the gods of the sun and moon, respectively, in accordance with their namesakes. Their father, Aaron Dubair, a powerful warlock, transfers the entirety of his magical powers to protect them from an evil entity known as the Darkness and is killed in the process. Karsh and Alina Warburton, a magical couple and friends of the family, assume the task of protecting the twins and flee to a non-magical dimension known as Earth to give them up for adoption. That's the setup, right? This is the pre-context of the movie that we are given. Then they get to Earth. Again, via Wikipedia, Apollo is adopted by a wealthy couple who name her Cameron Elizabeth Barnes, while Artemis is adopted by a single mother and is named Alexandra Alex Nicole Fielding. Alex grows up to be a night owl and stays up until the moon sets, writing about the chronicles of magical twin sisters, unaware that her stories are true. She shares a single bedroom with her close friend Lucinda after her mother passes away a few months prior to her 21st birthday. Meanwhile, Cameron is a passionate artist who wakes up at sunrise to sketch realistic pictures. Unbeknownst to her, the images she creates are of Miranda and her homeland, Coventry. So, again, that's the setup. That's who they are. And that's how they got here. 
and then they parent trap style run into each other and when they do they figure out that they're magical twins and the story ensues and yeah i won't give it away from there but movie is one of my favorites for halloween honestly it's definitely one of mine like i think i watch it almost every year oh my god i love that we're we have the same halloween movie taste that's so iconic for us yeah that is twitches so yeah you can watch it on disney plus and i highly recommend it if you need a good dose of nostalgia and you love tn tamara like i do so that's a tea. Yeah. okay so our next movie is halloween town i couldn't i literally couldn't not include halloween town it is a, another Disney movie that you can watch on Disney Plus. In my personal opinion, it's a Disney classic. Um, it gives me like the soup jack-o'-lantern feeling in my like gut. I don't know how to describe that. Which, by the way, tons of pumpkins are wasted every year. And they like create a shit ton of, I think, methanol gas. Because they end up in like landfill landfalls. They get really bad. So if you're going to get a pumpkin, use all of the parts and then dispose of it properly. You can also smash it open if you don't like don't put anything on it. Right. Or you could wash it off. And then if you have like marker on it and you can smash it open for animals if you live in a place where there's like deer. Yeah. Just like don't throw it away in the trash. Anyway, Halloween Town does an excellent job at representing two kids, like all the different kinds of like supernatural beings. Like if you don't feel like telling your kids about like werewolves. <laughs> anyway, it also gives like children like this kind of this kind of taste of rebellion because the main character marty always like is not listening to her mom never listens to her anyway so the plot which i also found on wikipedia is centers marty who on her 13th birthday learns that she's a witch um she discovers a secret portal and is transported to you guessed it halloween town a magical place where ghosts and ghouls and witches and werewolves live apart from the human world but she soon finds herself battling wicked warlocks Ooh evil curses and endless surprises so that's kind of like the basics of halloween town i'm not going to tell you everything about it because why would i do that we don't do spoilers here no we don't also there's several other movies i think there's a total of like three sequels in total that are out uh there's two where she's like in high school and then there's one where she goes to college they're all really good even though they they recasted marnie in the like in the last movie I know. I'm like, guys, you can't just throw somebody else in there for the last one. This is like basic entertainment etiquette, okay? Yeah, it was it was pretty weird. But I recently learned that um, they're making a fifth Halloween Town, which I didn't know about. And apparently it's going to have like the original actress in it. She like married some dude from Halloween Town. Like I literally don't know what character he is. I just know that he also plays in Halloween Town. They took like photos at like one of the Halloween Town lanterns, like when they got married, and I was like, "This is really cute." He did play in Halloween Town. He was Cal in Calabar's Revenge. Okay, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I think it's because I didn't like Calabar's Revenge. I liked Halloween Town High, and then the final one, and then Halloween Town. Yeah, so good, so good. But I think that was like her love interest. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. It was like the son of Calabar. That's why we never see him again. Uh. Yeah, I, see. I, was, I was wondering about that. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah. So we have Halloween Town and we have the Halloween Town tea. Yes. Wow. Anyway, but she petitioned for like, she didn't petition, but she essentially was like, yo, Disney, like, I'll do another one. She said, hey, give me that check. I'm, I'm ready for another. Yeah. 
and sh- as she should as she should it's iconic i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna look for that casting call now i need to get it i i'm gonna audition but that's awesome <laughs> uh yeah so this next one halloween town is also one of my favorites for sure i love halloween town i have to say that this one is arguably probably one of my favorite things like ever to watch it's one of my favorite series in general and i love it so much it's like my comfort show but um i don't really watch it that often i kind of only watch it in the fall time because it's such like a spooky halloween fall kind of vibe it's perfect for right now and i really recommend it if you haven't seen it but I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are probably gay or queer of some kind. So if you're gay, you'll probably know what this miniseries is. It's very popular in the queer community, but it's called Over the Garden Wall. Over the Garden Wall, again, is probably one of my favorite things to watch like in general because it came out when I was like 14, I think. And I remember literally like watching the first episode and feeling st- enamored by like the show's style and the way they were telling the story and the art like the art specifically really drew me in but I was so excited to watch it like every week when it came out and it's so fun to me so I'm excited to share it today quick preface because I think this this matters for the context um for your imagination the preface that I'm gonna give right this the lead character right in this series there's two lead characters or main characters but one of them is played by Elijah Wood and I don't know about Pauline, but like I I like Elijah Wood a lot. Like he's one of those actors who I kind of forget about sometimes. Like I'm not gonna lie. When I do see him do stuff, or like if I go back and watch Lord of the Rings, I'm like, oh Eli. Eli, my dude. I love it. I don't know. He just is really perfect for this role that he's playing. He's a voice actor in this one. So like th- he's this is an animated series, if I forgot to mention. The animation is really what leads the show because it's like you're hearing the voices and you're not seeing live actors. So the art style and those elements are really important. But Elijah Wood is in it. I think he's perfect for his role. Also, Chris Lloyd from Back to the Future is in it. And so is Tim Curry. So, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Pennywise and Frankenfurter's bestie, Tim, has come to play. So this is going to be a good one. I can promise. The main creator of the show also, for another preface, was huge in making the show The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. And I know for a fact that everybody remembers that show. You can't tell me you don't. You Unfortunately. Yeah, like The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack, it's a very <laughs> similar sort of vibe, like in terms of art direction and style and stuff. So, yeah, when if you've seen that and you haven't seen Over the Garden Wall, you will totally get the vibe. But yeah, so anyway, I'll stop raving about it and I'll get to the plot. I'll stop raving and I'll get to the plot now. So via Wikipedia, again, we love getting our plots from Wikipedia. The series follows two half-brothers, Wirt and Greg, voiced by Elijah Wood and Colin Dean, respectively, who become lost in a strange forest called The Unknown. To find their way home, the two must travel across the seemingly supernatural forest with the occasional help of the wandering, mysterious, and elderly woodsman, and Beatrice, an irritable bluebird who travels with the boys to find a woman called Adelaide, who can supposedly undo the curse on Beatrice and her family and show the half-brothers the way home. 
So, sounds chaotic, right? But the layout of the show is also kind of worth mentioning because, like I said, this is a mini series. It's not like a movie. Basically, you're watching like 10 short episodes. They're 11 minutes each. It makes them about two hours in total to watch all together. And I think that, like, honestly, you could watch them all in one night and it would be great. My favorite thing to do is break it up in between, like, a weekend (laughs) and watch, like, five on one day and then five on another and, like, the next night. You have some excellent self-control because I would be looking at that show like it was a big slice of cake. I'd be like... Honestly, I think it's just because, like, I fall asleep so quickly. I'm like, gotta go to sleep. Yeah, I think... So I know it's not like a great show to watch and I'm aware of it, but like, but a lot of times my parents would turn on Family Guy and we watched it. Yeah. Like with my parents, I watched it when I was like four and five, like to the extent that I would go, bird, bird, bird is the word. When I was like six, I loved Family Guy and I loved American Dad. And I obviously didn't understand it. And I now know that the writers of the show, because Seth MacFarlane, he's nowhere near as involved with it that he was like 10 years ago. The writers of the show are constantly making fun of Stan. Like, they're constantly making fun of his racist and, like, sexist stuff to the extent where he has to, like, learn that he's being racist and sexist and then learn from it and then be better to Francine. So, like, in a lot of the episodes, that's what's happening, at least in the new seasons. And there was this one episode, which, oh my god, if you know nothing about autism, you shouldn't be watching it. But it was like, Steve was like, I really like trains. (laughs) He was like, we need to get me tested. And he would just keep blaring out these random things, which realistically they were ticks. He would be going, oh, that's not how you stop the train. You blow up the train by pulling that lever, dummy. And they were like, Steve. And he was like, I told you, we need to get me tested. Mm. And I was just like, that was literally me as a teenager. Like, <laughs> yeah. But if you know nothing about autism, please don't like bait. Please don't base all of your like knowledge of autism off of that episode because you will be so severely wrong. Nor media in general. Just read a book. Read a fucking book by an autistic person, please. Like don't yeah. don't yeah. Anyway, I now want to watch Over the Garden Wall. Like I think yeah. I might I, think I might watch it. Do you think a five year old could watch that show? Oh, most definitely. So I will say, like I think that. Like, so your brother, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. that he actually would really love it. I think it's right up his alley. But it's, like, very kid-friendly because a lot of the themes that they show that are more adult and mature, there's a lot to dig into with the plot. It's, like, something that you can pick apart and analyze and everything. And that's what I like about it. But, like, you could also put it on and it looks just like a very cute Halloween-y kid show. And what they say can be kind of eerie, but it's more so like the voices like I don't think that a kid would necessarily completely comprehend everything that's going on so he loves Gravity Falls which like I don't let him watch but like I had an ex who would turn on Gravity Falls and like let him watch it when we would leave my little brother with him and we're like dude you can't watch that like it was like dude dude and there was an episode of American Dad that my little brother watched and he was like it was about a pickle man but for a year, he was terrified of the Pickle Man. Remember Pickle Man. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that it's also something that's like kid and adolescent friendly. It premiered on Cartoon Network and I watched it when I was like 14. So yeah. Also, for my music nerds out there, 
The orchestra and choir work in this is absolutely beautiful. TikTok Jewish Orthodox choir boys, kind of beautiful. And uh, they based a lot of the music off of that sort of like choir, orchestral, singing, operatic style of music. And you can definitely tell from some songs in the soundtrack. But there's also a really good diversity of like cute and funny songs as well that like really add to the plot and the characters that you see. And yeah, it's the music is like amazing too. So final thoughts. Um, Honestly, one of my very favorites. Watching this kind of feels like the sensation you got as a kid when like your mom handed you back your pillow full of candy said there was no razor blades in it and lets you down like five peanut butter cups before you go to bed. It feels like that. It's so good. That it's sounds so, good. so sweet. Yeah. Okay. And now into the more like bloody era of like Gen Z scare, like Halloween movies. Anybody who is a millennial or part of Gen Z has heard of the screen movies at least once in their life. They've seen the ghost face mask. And even though at times they can be incredibly corny and predictable, they are definitely one of my like favorite whodunit. These movies started back in the late 90s, I think um, 90, 96. And they continued as late as like 2022. And once again, I got the plot from Wiki because it really, so all of the screen movies have a kind of popular actor or actress at the time and they kill her off. That's kind of how they all start out. So I kind of like skipped that part and I just went down to the next part. But news media descend on the town and police investigation begins about the first murder as Sydney Prescott struggles with the first anniversary of a mother Marine's sexual assault and murder. A news reporter, Gail Weathers, who Sydney dislikes, arrives. Gail was responsible for spreading rumors and conspiracy about her mother's death. And then essentially she gets a call. It's from Ghostface. And then he's like, I'm in your house, Sydney. Uh, your mother was like sexually assaulted. I hate you. And then he continues to taunt her and she has to figure out who it is. And it could literally be anybody in the town because everybody knew about her sex, her mom's sexual assault. I'm not going to like ruin who did it, but like also at the same time, I feel like you should know. It also has um, Skeet Ultrick in it, which he returned for the final screen movie and he's returned for a few of them. But he also was like a really good actor. He played he played Archie's dad in Riverdale. It was a rough time for him. He did what he had to do for that check. But it also has um, the voice of Shaggy in it. Oh, Matthew Willard. Matthew Willard. Also, these movies often like poke fun or point out how much people obsess over like true crime murder to like an extent that it's not healthy, like how spot on it can be. Um, there are also like several copycat murders that took place after the first movie came out there was one in 96 there was one in 98 and then there was one in 2002 and there were also several this inspired several like parody scary movies so like a scary movie being one of them as well as like the famous ghost face mask yeah definitely i was talking to polly and and when she was like oh like i'm talking about scream i was like okay yeah that's like a perfect one for because not only did we have scream but we also had the whole scary movie franchise. So, yeah, I think it's like definitely, definitely iconic. And- I think, unfortunately, I really try not to think about like the, a scary movie franchise because Anna Ferris was in it. And I like Anna Ferris, but when I think about the things that Chris Pratt did to Anna Ferris, I get sad. Actually, I've never watched an entire scary movie the entire way through. I oh, think no. I like. I, I feel like I wasn't missing much. I mean, they were, like, funny when I was 10, but I got high when I was, like, 
16, I tried to watch one with my best friend. And I was like, dude, are we like really high? And she went, no, dude, I think they're bad. <laughs> She's like, no, these in fact are just awful movies. Our honorable mention. We have an honorable mention because I feel like these are good for fall in general and also like leading up to Halloween. They're kind of fun. They're very, very nostalgic. The intro. Yeah, the intro. Oh my god, I was about to say that. So our honorable mention, you'll you may know by us saying the intro. Goosebumps by R. L. Stein. Let's talk about let's talk about goosebumps. So this one right here is going out to our millennial listeners because I know for a fucking fact that you remember these and you probably remember them better than I do. Because I was in fact disturbed every time the theme song came on as a young kid. I like I watched it back as I was taking notes for this episode and the scare factor definitely does not hold up with like the early 2000s word art and PowerPoint style font Oh god! (laughs) but like the shows would really spook me like a lot too um and I think it was most the sound effects and the music and stuff anyway if you have no clue what I'm talking about I'm talking about Goosebumps the Goosebumps series it started out as a children's book series that was written by R.L. Stein, who is a horror suspense author. He mostly writes for young adults and kids, um, and you can kind of tell that by the topics and the stories and everything. After they were books, they eventually went to TV as well, and the series tagline is, Reader Beware, You're In For a Scare, because it's just like a huge collection and series of books that are all spooky and scary and supernatural elements or like paranormal elements, monsters, things like that. Um, I think pretty much all of them are different. There might be a few with overlap, but there's like a few two parters. I don't I don't know what age I was, but I think it was before I got to high school. I watched Goosebumps a lot. And I also watched The Haunting Hour. And I just now remembered about The Haunting Hour because it came out in 2007. And then also The Nightmare Room. I forgot about The Nightmare Room. I was obsessed with that show. It was amazing. It was Chef's Kiss. It was it was so good. Yeah. But the few episodes that, they, that had overlap was the, there was a puppet. And I always hated these episodes. I never watched them. But this fucking puppet would come back to like kill children. God, he was so fucking annoying. I can't even remember his name. But he was all like. Angly and shit. I hate that. I think I remember that one. Yeah. That was spooky. Oh, no. So Goosebumps, I mean, R.L. Stein, like, I think, you know, considering that, like, a lot of this stuff that was made into movies for him, like, his works or by him, they were, like, made in the 80s or the 90s or the early 2000s. So they're all so funny to watch back now. Like, they are such a good nostalgia piece. Such a good one. Yeah, this fucker was born at the end of World War II. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Is he, he's still alive too, right? He's like still kicking. He's like the same age as my grandma. How old is he? 79. Okay, yeah. King, we need to watch his shit. I can't believe it. That's so crazy. Oh my God. King showed up at Goosebumps 1 and 2 premiere. They did him dirty with those two movies. They did Jack Wagner. He's probably so disappointed. He's like, my legacy my spooky legacy where is the terror (laughs) viewer where are the scares (laughs) oh my god this had me thinking about 
they're they made this new like they're making this new Mario movie, and I watched the trailer for it, and Bowser's like, ho ho, die. <laughs> the only thing that I um I'm excited for the Mario movie. Like I can't wait to see it, honestly. But I'm really sad they took away Mario's fat cheeks. I don't know if y'all saw. They really toned down his butt. So it's not like a bubble butt anymore. They had a side-by-side comparison on TikTok. And I was... I was appalled. Wow, no. Bowser really was a fucked up guy. He really was just, like, killing people. Like... He really said, Do I yield? Uh, No. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, And why is he obsessed with stars? I don't understand the plot of of this movie. Like... don't understand the plot of the games either <laughs> is bowser also italian what's going on in italy is this all mussolini's fault is bowser just like is he is he autistic and his special interest is those little stars he's like i have to collect them all like they're pokemon <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah so with that being said we are so happy to fill you all in on our recommendations for this spooky month so happy that it's fall time i'm excited i'm feeling refreshed and i'm yeah i'm gonna watch so many spooky things i know i'm so excited i don't celebrate thanksgiving it's really just like september is pre-october then there's october and then there's post-october that's it (laughs) so i like watch halloween stuff all the way until november yeah because i'm like why stop the party it's the best yeah so we hope that we've given y'all a good list to go through let us know if you liked our choices you can leave us a comment on our instagram posts or our latest tiktok and let us know if you did like our movie list or if you watched any of them and let us know some of your favorites what are your recommendations for us let us know with all that being said i think we are about at the end of our episode and we're so happy you joined us yeah i mean we'll see you next time but make sure you follow us on tiktok and instagram so you can keep up with us Yes. We don't want you to like mosey behind us like you're a little turtle. We hope you guys have a great weekend, a good day, and have a spooky October. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky.